Hello there, this is a short snippet from a recent Blue Moon podcast. If you enjoy it, then please go and subscribe to the Blue Moon podcast as there's brand new shows with things like this, plus analysis and interviews of City's games coming out every Friday. On this podcast, I was joined by City fan Adam Monk and the Manchester City writer for the Manchester Evening News, Alex Brotherton. They are with me in a second, but first I spoke to author David Proudlove to discuss his book, When the Circus Leaves Town, all about when football clubs move stadiums, including when City left Main Road. I inherited the, the, the project uh, and the actual the redevelopment of the ground was underway when I took it on, so... Obviously, it's uh, it's it's a how it, it became a, a a new housing estate, um, and the agency I work for they they were involved in something called the the housing market renewal pathfinder initiative, which looked at at, at Moss Side as a whole and, and and what its needs and challenges were, uh, and obviously with um, the the proposed move to to East Manchester, um, the you know they viewed Main Road as a, a potential uh, development opportunity. Uh, obviously, money had, had got to be raised to allow uh, City to to move on. Uh, this was before, obviously, um, the, the the big money came into the club, uh, and so you know something was put together. I mean, it, the 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 really good thing about it was though that the money that was raised went into the overall regeneration program. You know, just small things happened as well. Like, you know, a lot of stuff that was taken out of the ground, old seats and turnstiles and things like that. It was an auction, and we raised about a hundred thousand pounds, which went into grassroots community projects in Moss Side. So. Um, you know, I, the the agency I work for was was heavily involved in that, and I've sort of managed the the investment from the government side that that, that went into Main Road. Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, a lot of time has passed now since City have uh, have moved on from Moss Side. Um, have you have you been back? Have you seen what it's like there now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've been back. Um, I mean, it's quite interesting for me. I mean, it was um, it was it was last last summer or. Uh, and um, it was the first time I've been there since the, um, the scheme had complete. So I, I was I was looking forward to seeing how, because obviously it will have matured a little bit over the years, and I was interested to see you know, just how things had, had turned out. And uh, you know, one of the nicest parts for me um, was a central green space that was created, and kids patently play football on there. <laughs> So, you know, it was that that was nice to see because you know you, new housing estates, that sort of thing, thing tends to be frowned upon. You know, letting the kids get a ball out and you know, uh, but kids playing football at Main Road yeah, is a bit of a you know bit bit of poetry there, I think. Yeah, and there's the there's the memorial as well, isn't there, to uh, to Stan Gibson right on? Uh, I think it's on the spot of the centre spot, isn't it? It is, yeah, that's right. Uh, instead, I went, uh, you know, took. I, I remember that being put down, and um, you know, it, it, it's it's funny. I mean, um, it, obviously, it's still there. That's a great thing. Um, at Huddersfield, um, there was a, a plaque put down that um, marked the centre spot of Leeds Road, and 
that that constantly gets nicked. <laughs> so um, it was it was great to see that the the Stan Gibson Memorial still there. <laughs> yeah, I um, I did an interview ahead of. Uh, I mean, this this is a, a complete different subject now for for where City are and where City were when they left Main Road. But I did an interview ahead of the Champions League final a couple of years ago. Um, where it was still kind of COVID measures were still in place. And so we couldn't meet inside. Um, and the guy who was doing the interview um, said, can, can we meet in Platfields? And because it was a stone's throw away from Main Road, I had a, I had a wander down. And I just felt, I, I had the real kind of sense of sadness that the area, that Main Road had gone from the area. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get that. I had this, the same thing um, with, I'm, I'm a Stoke City supporter and um it it, um, it it took uh, a long time for the redevelopment of the old Victoria ground to come forward. When it when it, a couple of years ago, um, it was the back end of 2020, so we were sort of COVID measures were still in place, but you could still get around. I thought I'm I'll go and have a look at the the, the new estate that was being built there because it was it was not far off completion. Uh, well, the first phase of it anyway. Uh, and I felt, you know, similar myself going to going down there, you know, just looking at sort of landmarks that are still there, you know, the old Victoria Hotel, and just thinking, well, I used to walk down there, uh, the old steps, the old um, Booth and End uh, are still there uh, next to next to the school, uh, and I, I remember standing there, you know, the. I, you know, couldn't tell you how many times I walked up those steps. Uh, and I stood there. All I could hear in the distance was traffic from the A500. <laughs> and, you know, you just think, you know, back, you know, 25 more years ago, you know, there's literally, you know, nine, eight to 9,000 people stood on the booth and end when it was full. And, yeah, it was it was a strange feeling. Um, I mean, that was that was where I, you know, that's where I fell in love with football, you know. It's um, where I went with my dad, uh, and you know, to to you know, for it not to be there, even though yeah, let's face it, I've got used to it. It's twenty. It's been gone. You know, we've gone been been gone from there twenty five years. Um, it was still a strange feeling. Yeah. Um, when you when you think about Main Road as a ground. Um... It's it's kind of we don't see that ilk of ground anymore, do we? The the kind of hodgepodge four sides of a ground. No, no. I mean, it's you know proper, you know what you call a you know, proper football ground. Um, I mean, stadiums. I mean, I think you've got a difference there. You know, you've got grounds and you've got stadiums. To me, a ground is, as you just said, it's it's something that's put together and evolves over time. Uh, the new efforts are obviously designed as one whole um and you know i I suppose you can argue all day long about it and you know these designs and you know efficiency of design obviously the new approach are probably more efficient than you know the old approach but um you know these older places you know there's some of them that are still around and you know they they have their own character uh, and you know that that makes you know that helps to make the match day experience. Um, some of the newer places, you know, um, particularly the the ones that were you know built in the uh, sort of the the nineties into the early two thousands, um, 
you know, it, it was they hadn't got much learning material, I guess. Um, and the point I make in the, 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 the closing section of the book is, you know, there's there's grounds that there's there's still clubs planning to move now, uh, and obviously they've got a generation of sort of new stadium from which to learn, um, and you know who knows we 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 might get back to a position where, you know, designers take a decision to design four separate sides of a ground rather than a bowl or you know whatever we we've been getting you know since uh, since the Taylor report. Yeah, and uh, of course, you know, City. I mentioned the Champions League final before. City wouldn't be where they are now without uh, without the investment that they had from uh, Sheikh Mansour and the Abu Dhabi United group. Um, do you think moving away from Main Road was was one of the key ingredients to that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm you know convinced that you know if 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 City had remained i mean they got got 16 acre sites in 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 main road at main road um i'm i'm convinced that you know they wouldn't have attracted that level of investment i mean over at um at eastlands you know there'd been heavy investment in in infrastructure and whatnot in the area because of the commonwealth games um a you know a state of the art you know, all seater stadium. You know, plenty of potential to expand uh, training and, and other facilities uh, for the club. And it's you know, you get you you go there now, and it is it, it's hard not to be impressed. I was there last summer, and it's incredible. It, it's it's like a a whole urban neighbourhood in its own right, um, and. You know, it's well connected to the city centre as well, to the metro. So, you know, yeah, I, I think that was crucial to attracting the investment that city that city got. Yeah, I know. I mean, the, the other the other kind of crucial cog in in city moving to the stadium was, I mean, it was Manchester's Olympic bid and and uh, then latterly the Commonwealth Games bid as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the a lot happened uh, in East East Manchester um, over, you know probably a period of 20 years and as you say um you know they 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 bid to host the olympics didn't get that but you know they kept the momentum going into into the commonwealth games bid which was successful and you know it, it's been that that's been the catalyst to change don't get me wrong i mean there's still challenges in east manchester of course um but um you know from a physical perspective the the areas can you know it's it's transformed um i mean 30 years ago that part of the city was was beyond belief in terms of dereliction and post-industrial decline and now as i say it's like a, a new uh a new quarter of the city this is the blue moon podcast Follow us on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. That was David Proudlove speaking to me about his new book, When the Circus Leaves Town. Uh, you can find it in all good bookshops and all the usual places. Now, uh, Main Road is obviously uh, a part of that. But there's plenty of other uh, other grounds in there. Um, I, I'm just I'm interested uh, for for you two very quickly before we we kind of dive into the into the next bit because you're you're both of. Uh, the generation of fan that um, I, I wonder, Alex, when you when you listen to, to to kind of fans like me hark on about what Main Road was like, 
Um, do you sit there and go, "All right, Grandad, thanks for that"? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like it's 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 a big part of the club's history, but it's it's easy to forget that we've been at the Etihad for twenty years now. Yeah, no, not at all, not at all, David. Um, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> no, I would have loved to have um, have gone to games there, and I think I, I first started going to City maybe the the first year at the at the, the City of Manchester Stadium. So even if I'd you know been a few years earlier, I still would have been a kid and probably not really appreciated Main Road. So really, I, I would have liked to have gone at an age where you know sort of teens or twenties or whatever. But um, yeah, quite a sort of idio sort of idiosyncratic kind of stadium really it's it was all sort of hodgepodge and bits connected on and stands that didn't really match up and that kind of thing and it's um it's kind of a maybe a football romantics kind of stadium to, yeah. to tick off but um alas the the etihad's not bad you know it's well, good facilities I, isn't it i was gonna say this adam um like people like me always say yeah but the, the atmosphere at main road um was w- w- was fantastic and there's two things on that one i'm looking through blue tinted specs and uh and two like uh, alex is right through the 90s the atmosphere at main road got very very toxic when city were not good um and then when you you kind of look at the atmosphere now inside inside the Etihad, um, it, like it's it's it feels like home. It feels like uh, a, a football club lives there these days. And when you when when City first moved there, you could make the argument that the atmosphere wasn't great. Um, what do you make of of kind of the match day? I, I hate this phrase, but like the match day experience inside the Etihad and and, and the atmosphere. Because you take like the Brentford game or the Fulham game, for instance, the fans were right up for those games. Yeah, well, I actually. I did go to Main Road, first of all, like when I was probably two or three. Um, But unfortunately, my dad, and I'll never forgive him for this, he can't even remember who we played. So like, I don't know what my first game actually was. (laughs) It was a a team that played in red. I remember it absolutely pissing it down. Uh, I remember wearing a poncho, and I remember eating a big bag of Smarties with those like big orange ones in it. That's all the memory I've got of it. And um, I wasn't very fond of it, so I think I've always been accustomed to... Uh, the lavish luxury facilities that the Etihad's got to provide. I don't think the Kipaps is quite for me. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think overall the match day experience now, um, you know, I think for a few of the older heads who enjoyed the days at Main Road, maybe it's a bit too like kid orientated now uh, outside the ground and stuff. But, you know, that's the way that modern football is going in general. I think you're going to see that widespread across the Premier League, you know, Um Clubs now are built on trying to garner as big an audience as possible. And I think City now are sort of gearing towards, you know, the tourist sort of commercial fan that will come and will spend a lot of money in the club shop when they visit on a one-off occasion. Um, I think that's the way that, well, I know it is anyway from working there, that's the way that the club's gearing up in the future, which... uh, I don't know. I mean, I know that's not really the question you asked, but it's just sort of it feeds into the match day experience, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's what's it's what's altered it a lot. But in terms of the atmosphere, I think obviously if you if you're a team managed by Pep Guardiola and you're on the up and you're winning trophies and your fan base is growing, then naturally your atmosphere is going to grow with that. And I think away fans will say it as well. I think that's a good testament to how good our ground is and our facilities. I think a lot of away fans, despite the sort of empty hard jives that we get um, beaten with, I think generally speaking, away fans that I've spoken to and fans of like clubs that have travelled up and down the country, they always have the Etihad quite ranked quite high up in terms of facilities, atmosphere, um, you know, general match day experience, and you know, overall, it is a really nice ground, and we're going to continue to expand it. Um, 
so yeah, I think now 20 years, we've created history here as well, which I think is an important aspect. I think when we first moved, it felt kind of like a Commonwealth Games ground. You know, it seemed to look different when we first joined 20 years ago. We've created memories here, got our own history now in this ground. And um, it has sort of, particularly in the last five years under Guardiola, I think it's sort of taken that, it's sort of taken shape and has become has become home. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, right, well, uh, sticking with that theme, we're now going on our travels. Dan Burke has been looking at how it's ended for City on some of their final visits to stadiums that now no longer exist. There's a long list of grounds that Manchester City have played their final game at, so let's set some rules for this feature to begin with. We know that football didn't begin in the Premier League era, but most of the podcast's interview archive takes place in that time, so we're only focusing on the more recent games. That said, we found it hard to find material from parts of the 90s, including City's final trips to Middlesbrough's Ayrson Park, Bolton's Burnden Park and Stoke's Victoria Ground. So we start at a stadium where City played twice and drew twice. Feetums in Darlington. I remember Paul Dickhoff scoring a late equaliser at Feetums to take it to that second game and um... Considering the state of our pitch at Feetums at the time, which was it, it, it had been better served as uh, for growing potatoes, really. But we, we we played some some good football under David Hodgson. We had some experience in there alongside some some real good young players, and, um, and it was a real good test for us uh, for where we were at that time. That's former Darlington goalkeeper and now pundit David Priest. He was in goal for City's one-all draw there in the FA Cup second round in 1998, when Paul Dickov prevented an upset with a late volley. Later in that season, during the playoff semi-finals, it was a very similar situation. Again, Paul Dickov scored a late equaliser after a mix-up between Gerard Vikins and Nicky Weaver gifted Wigan the lead. That was the final ever goal at Springfield Park. Gerard didn't have to thank me or apologise because he was outstanding in that season um, and it was a really uncharacteristic mistake from him you know and obviously we, we got back in it we're probably unlucky not to win the game it didn't look like City would even get to the playoffs earlier that season though right before Christmas they lost at York on their final visit to Bootham Crescent here's Jonathan Smith and David Mooney talking about that period on a recent Patreon bonus show there is a bit of gallows humour about it all but then there's a sense of realisation that right we're halfway through the season and where are they going they were 12th at this point. So, so yeah. again, the, 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 it's game number 22 and they're 10 places off the second automatic promotion spot. They're only just kind of on, on the first page of CFAX. Yeah. Throughout various points in the season, there was a bit of a feeling of, oh, this, this is fun, this, you know. But there were points in the season where you thought, wait a second, this might not be one season. So when that York City game came round... Like you say, it was on the back of a defeat and three draws, and then another defeat at, you know, York City. Goodness me. It was during their travels down the Football League that City played their final games at various stadiums, like Reading's Elm Park, Oxford's Manor Ground, and Brentford's Griffin Park. And when they got back to the Premier League, they went to Southampton's The Dell and Leicester's Filbert Street for the last times too. Here's former Leicester goalkeeper Tim Flowers discussing the two daft goals he let in that day. I remember Paolo Wanchop at Filbert Street back-heeling one from about... Six shows facing away from the goal, and he's back heeled it and, and beat me down in the bottom corner. I can't remember the Sean Goater one. Listen, that many goals went past me. Now. It's hard to remember them all, do you know what I mean? But it, listen, Sean, Sean could score off all parts of his body. I can't remember the one off his back, but I certainly remember one chop beating me with a back heel at Filbert Street, yeah. That game was also memorable for a strange ending. Alfie Harlan recently watched the footage back with his son for a video on City TV. I thought the game was over, so I gave the shirt to, to the crowd. <laughs> we had to 
I had to get the shirt back <laughs> because I gave it no, away. Please. <laughs> he was only going to book uh, one shop. I thought the uh, the game was over. Oh. <laughs> City were relegated that season, but they came back up again the following year. During that Kevin Keegan promotion, they went to Coventry's Highfield Road for the final time, as well as Rotherham's Millmore. When back in the Premier League, City's final ever visit to Arsenal's Highbury was memorable for one really weird incident. Here's John Motson's commentary for Match of the Day. Oh, penalty again! Penalty again! Jordan on Bergkamp! Therese, who's already scored one, now faces David James again. What's he done? Well, he pretended to take it and then didn't seem to take it. And the referee's given a free kick the other way. Robert Pires tried to pass a penalty to Thierry Henry but failed spectacularly. City captain Sylvain Distan told the BBC afterwards that he wasn't impressed. I felt like it was a bit of a uh, little bit disrespectful for for, for us, I didn't, I didn't like it at all, no. By this point, Stuart Pearce was City's manager, and it was during his reign that a couple of embarrassing League Cup exits soured the club's final visits to Doncaster's Bellevue in 2005 and Chesterfield's Saltergate in 2006. Chesterfield came from behind to win 2-1, while Doncaster knocked City out on penalties after it finished 1-1. Nader Manua was wrongly sent off at Doncaster 2. I think we might have been winning the game at the time, and uh, I think a cross came into me, and I touched a... Uh, I took a very standard heavy touch towards the goalkeeper <laughs> and then I slid in to uh, try and take the shot and then pulled my leg away and I was just devastated and then I think it went for a goal kick or something I was devastated because I thought oh, I can't believe I just missed that and then I turned around and the ref got a red card and I was, I was very I, was, I didn't know what was going on I didn't, I didn't even see an incident Thankfully, that was rescinded, rescinded shortly after because seeing the replays, it was exactly as I, as I thought it was. It was almost a decade after that until City went to a stadium for the final time. It was in the closing stages of Manuel Pellegrini's tenure as boss as they twice came from behind to draw 2 all with West Ham at Upton Park in 2016. City was still in the title race and that point, as happy as Pellegrini was with it, didn't really help. First, I agree that it was a very good game, especially for the fans because they took teams play to win the game with some attractive players, with creative players. So I think that it uh, was a, a good draw. But uh, if you cannot win the game, I think it's important not to lose it. And we scored the second goal and we finished with that option of Kuhn to win it. After that, there's only one more time that City have played at a ground that's now been demolished. It was Pep Guardiola's first ever loss at the club as well. After 10 wins and a draw from his first 11 games, he took his side to Tottenham and White Hart Lane, where they lost 2-0. We play against today one team, so it's the same training last, I think, two or three years. The last season it was until the end fighting for to win the Premier League. And of course it was difficult because uh, we had the problems to, to find the guys where we want to find it and, and control our game. And the second ball, they, they we lose a lot of balls in the position with social dangers and they were on a step in front of us uh, today. Since the beginning of the Premier League era, City have played their final matches at 20 different stadiums. The only two we didn't mention so far are Colchester's Leia Road, where City won 1-0 in what is their only ever game there, and Cardiff's Ninian Park, where they suffered a shock FA Cup defeat in January 1994. However, out of all the former stadiums that City have played at in the last 30 years, it will surely always be Main Road that holds the best memories for the fans. And, in typical City fashion, they lost their final match there as well. 